0: He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You
1: like me right now. You like
0: me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now, now that I'm on my way? She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. i right for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the
2: Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Americans for Open Carry. We know that at this time of year, lots of Americans have serious questions about Carry. We know that if this sort of thing is mishandled, millions of people can be left shocked and horrified by the consequences of someone not being prepared. That's why Americans for Open Carry is dedicated to getting to the bottom of what happened to Mariah Carey on New Year's Eve. Well, happy New Year! Was it the microphone? Was she high? Just what the hell was wrong with her? Trust Americans for open carry to get to the bottom of it. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the first Jim and Mickey show of 2017. Mickey, this is our 99th edition of our show.
1: I know, right? Welcome back, everyone, and happy new year. Uh, Happy 2017. I already like this year better than last year. So we'll call that a win. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that we are looking at next week being our big 100th episode of Tea Tans. Um,
2: you mentioned 2017 being better than 2016. You know what I'm loving about 2017 so far, Mickey? What is that, Jim? So far, the only celebrity who's on Death Watch is Charles Manson.
0: <laughs> and Keith Richards is doing just fine. Just want to make sure yes, everybody yeah, knows. Anyway,
2: so if we end up with like for the, a week or two into the year, no big name beloved celebrity is dead and Manson goes, I like the cut of your jib 2017. This is going to be a good year.
1: <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you. But you and I were talking about this earlier this week. He said, uh, listeners, Jim and I were discussing something um, uh, not related to the show. And he said, you know, you seem a little chipper. You seem like you're in a better mood this week. And to be fair, I I explained to Jim that, you know, it's not just that it's 2017. We are also past the holidays. And let's face it, for some of us, some years, it's not every year, but everyone talks about the Hallmark movies and how everything's so great around the holidays. Some of us are literally just holding our breath until it's over. And when New Year's Eve comes and that ball drops, it's also a big sigh of relief. Like, okay. Eventually things will go back to normal. Some people <laughs> yeah, hold their breath yeah. to
0: keep, uh, keep from getting into the police officer's breathalyzer. That's another Well, And then that. there's
1: that as well. But, but for me, I am one of those people who generally, I usually love the holidays. I'm usually someone who loves Christmas. Um, I've, I've often been alone in this in my family. I'm surrounded by Grinches, et cetera. But for whatever reason, I'm also someone who, when the new year comes, I like that flip of the new year. Now, I'm not someone who does a lot of New Year's resolutions. And apparently, Jim, I'm I'm not really alone anymore.
2: Yeah, we're going to break from tradition and actually discuss our Trivial Tuesday a bit early because – uh, we had asked listeners, was it, what is their New Year's resolution? Am I correct, Mickey?
1: Well, in actuality, what I asked was, what New Year's resolution have you already broken? Oh, okay. And, and I, you know, because I was thinking of people who make New Year's resolutions and never actually do it. But we only got two responses. So this only indicates to me one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that were in direct response to to the question. One, either no one liked the question and everyone's keeping up with their New Year's resolutions. Or, as our answers did indicate, and again, this is a unanimous answer across the board, which was, I don't do resolutions anymore, so I win every year, suckers.
2: Okay, that would explain something. It was 2 o'clock, January 1st, have a a light day. It was was one of those things where... uh, uh, because of the timing of New Year's Day, both the first and the second, it wasn't sure whether it was an actual work day or not. Uh, midday, I'm going to the gym. And usually, what's the cliche, right? Everybody's there in the gym. All the machines are occupied. All mm-hmm. these people who've never seen the machines before are on them and getting caught in, you know, the, you know the, their foot's falling in between the the stepper and the aerobics machine and all that stuff. Um, the place was not quite empty, but but sparse, I would say. Um, so I kind of wonder if Americans are, are you know... Um, Giving up on New Year's resolutions. They've, they've, they've tried them enough times. They're ready to give up on it. And, uh, and conclusion, Mickey, do you have any New Year's resolutions or are you in the eh, I don't do this anymore category?
1: Well, I, I, I've never been exceptionally good at resolutions. I always try to set goals
0: okay.
1: and I always see them as slightly different because instead of being like, oh, you know, I want to stop doing this or I want to do this or whatever, then I, I, I generally set goals for the year. Like by the end of the year, I would like to do this and kind of set up a plan to get to that goal. Um, However, you mentioned the gym. And I mean, normally, and again, this is even on my list as far as a goal is to get in better shape. Like that's almost always right at the top of everyone's list, if not the very number one thing. Um, And for years, it was the number one resolution. Everyone wanted to lose weight. Everyone wanted to get healthy. And for whatever reason, for the first time this year, the number one resolution that's coming across in polling is that people want to be a better person. Oh, now,
2: I, I, I salute that.
1: <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. But if you think about it, how much work does that actually require? Like a lot of people's resolution is to go to the gym, they have to show up at the gym, et etc. If, if you say you want to eat better, you have to, you know, actually do that. If you say that you want to do something very specific, you know, I want to run a marathon, I want to get a raise, I want to do whatever, it's going to require a specific effort and an end goal. If you make your resolution to be, quote, a better person than you were the year before, and I'm guilty of this myself, but if you make the resolution to be guilty or better than you were the year before, is this kind of like the human version of (laughs) new and improved?
0: I gave that one up on the (laughs) 2nd of January, and I bet I wasn't the first person to do that.
1: See, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I want to be a better person. Okay.
0: Oops. Oh, well. There's always yeah. next year.
1: <laughs> right. It's it's like, a, oh, a, damn.
0: Specific
2: criteria there. Maybe it's a little bit better. But look, I, I don't know about you, Mickey. I'd rather live in a country uh, or a society full of people who are a little on the chubby side, um, perhaps haven't quit smoking, perhaps haven't improved themselves all good, rather than to be in a world full of thin, non-smoking, healthy, rotten people. <laughs> I'll, I, I salute you if you're trying to be a better person in 2017. I think, I think there's almost an implicit admission that most of the country was rotten to each other in 2016. So, um,
1: well, And, uh, and maybe would, that does have something to do with it. But again, I am someone who, when you make that flip of the new year, maybe it's because I like spring so much. And once we get past the winter holidays, we get past New Year's, I, I start to think about the fact that one, you know, daylight savings time is coming to an end. Um, and two, there's, there really is something to that whole end of the year wrap up, you know, all the nostalgia things we talked about last week, and then being able to let it go when you flip the new year to being like, oh, okay, and now we start over again fresh. But I think that that's, you know, New Year's Eve is part of that buildup as well.
2: I was going to say, New Year's the concept is wonderful. I, I think the, pro- the uh, New Year's the execution and/or New Year's the timing is the problem because you have you know Christmas, Hanukkah, the biggest holidays of the year. Everybody, you know, there's this month long build up. Everybody exchanges gifts. Everybody sees family. It's all terrific, and then like let literally less than a week later, you've got another holiday. It's supposed to be a big deal. You probably haven't even finished all the Christmas leftovers um you may or may not have exchanged the christmas gifts you want and then you're supposed to have one other big party and i'm pretty sure in a previous edition of this show mickey i've pointed out to you the two worst nights to go out to a restaurant in the entire country are um new year's and valentine's day everybody's got the special menu it's crowded uh you got to get dressed up and it just kind of is this uh you, you, we would enjoy New Year's better if it was in, like, the middle of June or something like that. It's usually a miserable night to go out. Yeah. It's cold. It's windy. You know, you got to take down the Christmas lights. All kinds of, you know, it's just a bad timing to have this other big uh, celebration and, and, you know, alleged time of renewal.
1: Perhaps we could pick another calendar to celebrate the New Year with. Like when uh, Gregorian yeah. monks have their – The
2: Chinese know what they're doing. They give it at least a month, right? They, right. they bring up <laughs> exactly. the dragons and the fireworks <laughs> and everyone has a good time. Right.
1: The Jews know what they're doing, right? They do it in the middle of fall, you know? Right now, like one of the best parts about getting older, weirdest parts, I don't know, is you know I, I'm someone who enjoys New Year's. I like to go out and do our thing and whatever, um, and it's always a little bit different every year. What I find so fascinating is the older I get, the more people who are like, yeah, I'm staying in this year. I'm probably not going to make it to midnight. And I realize that's because of exactly what you just said. You know, it's the end of the holiday season for people And in your case, the real holiday came this week when the kids went back to school. Yes. So if other parents have had their kids at home for nearly two weeks at a time with absolutely no school and nothing to do but play with their Christmas or Hanukkah toys um, by, you know. 10 o'clock on Saturday night, a lot of people were tired.
2: You, you put your, your finger on the, on the issue there, Mickey, uh, at least in this house, as much as I enjoyed. I love seeing my kids home from school and I love seeing my kids go back to school uh, early this week. The, I, I, we always have this vision, like the New Year's Eve parties in when Harry met Sally, right? It's kind of fancy, but not too crowded. Everyone's dressed up, looking good. And the most romantic thing in the world is to have somebody to kiss when the ball drops. And uh, for... The, the the actual parties, the actual get-togethers, never really seem to turn out that way, and so I uh, I kind of wish we had. I, th- I think part of the problem is the natural uh, you're, you're 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 psychologically hungover from Christmas, if well, not. Well, and uh, I think that the target audience
1: busy. for New Year's is really limited. It's like Valentine's Day. Yeah, you're limited to those who want to have the magical New Year's Eve because they're single, right? And they end- – being disappointed nine times out of ten but they still look forward to it and then you have like the young dating couple or people who are engaged or of course if you're a movie you have to break up just before New Year's yeah so that you can get back together on New Year's Eve but it, it's it's definitely part of that whole mystical, romantic part of it. And again, you and I are old married people, but we are both kind of good at still doing the dating and going out thing. But even we have our limits. Um, I don't think that most people are nearly as interested in investing in New Year's Eve after a certain age anymore either. I think like if you have a, you know a cool thing that you go to every year, that's great. But I think there's definitely, you know, it's either before you have kids mm-hmm. or long after they're gone.
2: You know, actually, now that you're mentioning it, it's, maybe it's the fact that we can see uh, not you know just a little bit down the road Valentine's Day, another wintry night where you're supposed to go out and have a really good time, but everything's kind of overpriced and crowded and fancy because everybody's doing the exact same thing at the same day. What we need is like a national jumbling of all the holidays. Uh, the habit I've gotten into, Mickey, is to go to a Mexican place on St. Patrick's Day and an Irish bar on Cinco de Mayo. Okay. They're not crowded. You get play easy time getting a t- Table the so service what we is, terrific, do is actually put know. all
1: the holidays in a hat and just kind of like shake yes. them up and pull there one out go. and be like this is what we're going to celebrate this year at this time. There
2: you go. And that way you're not, you know, you're not trying to, you know, work your way I'm not
1: opposed to this, Jim Garrity.
2: All right, there we go. We're going to rewrite the calendar. I I remember writing this once about hey, Valentine's Day is at the like it's a lovely idea at a terrible time of year. It's usually Valentine's like
1: Valentine's Day would be much better in like late June. Exactly.
2: When the weather's nice, you can go out and all that stuff. I wrote that, I think it was Molly Hemingway, but he's like, Jim, it's because of St. Valentine's. <laughs> well,
1: well, if you got that about Valentine's Day, imagine what they'll do when we suggest moving Christmas or Easter. <laughs>
2: At least at least Easter, there's a little bit of flexibility. It's springtime. It kind of fits that time of year. I kind of feel like uh, New Year's yeah, and, and Southland are like,
1: kind of fits its time of year as well. Yes. You don't mind being home, you know, the whole, you know, fireplace, chestnuts roasting, snowy, etc. Although apparently we're supposed to get a real snowstorm this weekend on the East Coast. So we'll see about that. Um, I don't see a lot of snow here in Virginia during the holidays, so that's not something that really, like, triggers with me anymore. But when I was in Pennsylvania, that was a big part of it.
2: I was going to say we uh, maybe maybe in the I don't know if we do this a hundredth episode or some future episode. You and I will rewrite the entire calendar. We'll kinda of almost be like the NFL draft. We get to you know each holiday. We'll get a chance to choose what month it wants to be in oh. and uh, and figure out when it works best.
1: All right, listeners. Well, thank you so much for participating every week in our trivial Tuesday. We're going to talk a little bit more about upcoming topics later in the show. Um, but coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about a show that has most of America talking. They, I just can't decide if they love it or they hate it. Or maybe they love or hate it. We'll be right back. He's the bold one. He's the one
0: we want. There's a bold one in every family. Anywhere the bold one goes, he gets dirtier than anyone else. He's the bold one. He's the one we want. Bold can make the bold one bright. Bold can make even the bold one bright because bold as a power team that breaks up tough dirt and lifts it away. A power team so strong it makes things more than clean. So strong it makes things bright.
1: Here's cousin Harriet, here's cousin Gilbert, and um, here you are. He's the bold one, he's the one
0: we want. Bold for the bold one in your family.
1: Bold can make the bold one right. Welcome back to The Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with Jim Garrity. We are opening up our first show of 2017 by hitting up an old favorite. Jim, I watched The Bachelor.
2: (laughs) I would make fun of you, but Mary Catherine Hamm uh, also is a a diehard fan writing up summaries. We've had her on the show before to discuss it. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to mock you too much uh Mickey but so so how did this bizarre social courtship ritual um <laughs> involving a harem <laughs> some un, un, un inconceivably lucky fellow uh and an insufficient number of roses what what did it do to entice you this year
1: Well here's the thing I haven't watched The Bachelor since I think maybe season 2 or 3 uh, this is 247 now, right? <laughs> something like that. It's something insane. I do, however, watch and follow um, the creators of The Bachelor on social media, and I find them to be uh, very entertaining. And as you mentioned, we have a lot of friends who not only watch The Bachelor, but write about it. And. This particular season, I, I felt the need to tune in, and I couldn't figure out why. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There was, a, there was a part of me that was suddenly drawn to, like, you know what? I'm just going to, like, throw myself into this pop culture abyss known as The Bachelor. And it had been so long since I'd watched it that I really couldn't even remember why people watched it, if that makes sense. Um, however... I, I realize now, in retrospect, there was a reason that I was drawn to this particular season of The Bachelor. And it's because it's, par- it's beyond parody for even The Bachelor. And, and that's going somewhere. Our lovely man, our gentleman, our bachelor, Nick Vio... According to this article in People, in the magazine that Mr. Bias picked up for me because he loves me, that has George Michael on the cover, um, they had an article in here that I'd read prior to the show, and it didn't trigger with me until we started talking about show prep, um, about what it was that made me decide to watch The Bachelor this season. And here you go. This guy was in season 10. Nick Vial or Vail or vale, Vial, Vile I don't know. We're just going to call him Nick the Bachelor. Vial works for me. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, that very. I, I, I'm not going to pretend that I know the correct pronunciation. But the bottom line is he's been on this four times. Actually, this is his fourth time, I should say. Um, but season 10, he was the first runner-up. And the Bachelorette at that time was Andy, a girl um, who he proposed to. And she said no. Oof. oof! Then, okay. then he came back in season eleven, and get this—he made a late entrance in one of those like show surprising twists type things. They brought him in mid-season as the ringer, I guess. And he also fell in love with Caitlyn, and once again was first runner-up, and did not get the girl. Oof! Double oof!
2: This is kind of like watching sideshow. Bob step on rakes every five seconds.
1: <laughs> then he was on Bachelor in Paradise. He claims to have fallen in love on Bachelor in Paradise with two and then women. at The end. He ditched the girl.
2: <laughs> so, so, so this guy just like buy clergy in bulk. Well, here's them the, in bulk. I'm going to need you on this. I'm going to need you in April and May and June of the following year. And, you
1: know. With this kind of backstory, you know the guy is a player. Like, nobody goes on The Bachelor four times. That's not how it works. And um, at this point, one would think that he'd be able to, you know, date people normally outside of a reality TV show. But apparently not. This is the only way for him to find love in his mind. Um, So you can understand with this kind of backstory why I'd want to watch it. I start watching it the other night. And, of course, the first thing that happens is they do this crazy hyped up limo entrance. Um, you know, there's backstories on all the girls, and there's backstories on him, and why, you know, he's truly looking for love, and he's here for all the right reasons. Looking for love in um, all the wrong limos. Right? <laughs> so, the the chicks come up in the white limos that are circling the house, like, basically, you know, the cabbies at the airport, and they just keep picking the girls up and dropping them off, picking the girls up and dropping them off, and, of course, you know, one spray-tanned, over-makeuped, Absolutely overdressed girl after another gets out of the the limo, and then a girl gets out of the limo who is dressed as a shark, <laughs> like Left Shark. Think a Left Shark Super Bowl shark. She wants to be a dolphin trainer, and he says, "But you're dressed as a shark," and she says, "It's a dolphin. I need you to understand." It's a shark. It had shark teeth. It had a shark fin. It had shark gills. It was the left shark costume. I was going to say,
2: left shark was a national meme, and we all kind
1: of loved him
0: because of his. And it, she it, it wants to, to be
1: a dolphin trainer. <laughs> and she didn't know the difference between the dolphin and the shark costume. Let's just start there.
0: She's perfectly qualified to be on this show.
1: And I thought it was fascinating. You know, there was a lot of discussion about him liking, you know, different types of women and different colors of women and different women from different backgrounds and different races and religions, etc. Look, this I dude just likes looks like women. Yeah, this guy <laughs> just likes women. And one of the best things I've ever seen ever in the history of ever is that one of the women that the producers sent to meet with him was a woman that he'd hooked up with nine months earlier. <laughs>
2: ah. I mean, so, so now he, he is not merely – his past sexual history does not merely qualify. You can't, it's not really a group so much as a demographic. Correct.
1: On the first night, he kissed a handful of women including I think my favorite – She's kind of different. I'm going to call her the whore. <laughs> Cuz she decided from living. Yeah. Yeah, she decided from day 1 when she arrived there. Uh, her name is Corinne, When she arrived there that she was going to be taking him home as a prize in her pocket. <laughs> and she is not going to let anything stop her from getting her man. Least of all, like, having sex with him, putting it out there. Like, that is not her concern at all. She wants to win. And she's pretty serious about it. Um, so I think she's, you know, I think that with his style meshed up with hers, it might actually work out. They were made so, for each other. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, it was the very first rose ceremony. And he also gave out what um, was the, what they call the, the first impression rose. And I thought it was interesting because there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not, you know, they, they have not enough kind of biracial couples on The Bachelor. Um, I don't know that they've ever had, the, you know, the black bachelor and, and all of the things that they discuss all the time about these type of things. But he gave his very first impression rose to a gorgeous black girl who he clearly is smitten with, like, he's all googly-eyed when he talks to her. Um, and so that was kind of interesting. And of course, you watch these crazy women who have known this man all of 30 minutes and break down in tears because they're losing the man of their dreams if he doesn't give them a rose. And I realized as I was watching that final rose ceremony that this is why people watch. These women are crazy. <laughs> There was a woman there who was crying and boohooing because she wasn't sure if she was going to be the first, you know, 22 women to get a rose from a guy that she had known. She had spoken with for probably less than a minute in real time. (laughs) And watching it was absolutely insane. What I did notice about him, if we're talking about his demographic or his type, I did notice that it had less to do with any of the things that I previously mentioned and a lot more to do with whether or not they had big boobs. Really? Big boobs. Is that transparent, popular really huh? for that first impression rose and all the roses that went out on the first night. <laughs> I will tell you this. Spoiler alert. The shark girl got a rose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so also, like, on any reality show, isn't, like, the first episode about standing out?
1: Well, that's the whole idea is like, I think that's part of what made. Obviously, that's why the shark girl went with Sharko. But we have no idea what Sharko looks like. Uh, she, wait, she was in a, a shark costume the entire episode. Yeah, she was in costume the entire episode. So all you could see was her little head, like part of her face. I think that she doesn't have boobs or doesn't have big boobs. What is
0: he thinking? And
1: the shark costume, when she takes it off, everyone will be like, oh, that's why she was hiding that person. <laughs> um, but it was, well, she has a fin.
2: She has a dorsal fin, which is really unusual. That's
1: and, well, and, and anyone who watches these knows that there are producers' picks and people that, you know, put, the producers put in there in order to kind of mix things up. I was watching just the top, you know, the, obviously the top 22, as I always say to Mr. Vice, when we watch these types of things, some are for fighting, some are for dying when you're at the first huh. cut. Because some of these women, yes, he probably has interested in it, and others, you know, the producers like, no, you got to put this crazy bitch in there.
2: You know, would, would it, the show be more adventurous if they said, by the way, Bachelor, one of these women is actually an axe murderer? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching again. As entertained as I was with the hijinks of the first episode, at the end of the show, they ran a clip of, like, you know, things to come later in the season. The girls find out he hooked up with one of the chicks in the house. That alone is reason enough. To keep I can't believe he slept with the shark. He slept with the shark. And are sitting there going, I can't believe he was hanging out with another girl in front of me. <laughs> and it's like you signed up to date a guy who was dating 25 other people on TV.
0: Yeah, some of those girls, they should just put them in uh, Star Trek red security guy uniforms, right? So you'll know they're going to be dead by the first 15 minutes. <laughs> He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they are simply there for, you know, fodder and, and entertainment value, which is great because i have going to tell you, I'm cheering for Shark Girl. I'm cheering for the crazy girl with the Russian accent um, just to stick around to make things interesting and of course my whore I have no idea what she's going to do but I know it's going to be delicious to watch and I cannot wait to see What happens next? And I realized this is the draw. This is why people watch The Bachelor. It's not to see love happen. It's not because they believe in love. It's because it allows them to laugh at other people's ridiculousness and pain. My kind of reality show. So I will be giving you another stop, Bachelor. Do not let me down.
0: You can laugh at the hot chicks, Uh, too, which if you're female is a kind of a significant step forward for you. You can really go oh she's gorgeous, but she's stupid and awkward and she's everyone's making fun of her and so, Yeah, you can you can live that like high school, right?
1: I was watching for less than fifteen minutes before I realized like this is why people watch this and I'll be watching it again because <laughs> I was laughing so hard. And I realized I probably wasn't supposed to be laughing, but that didn't matter. I was getting my own energy.
2: It's sort of relationship therapy. No matter how bad things are, you could be involved with one of these people. Also, I think the uh, sponsorship by, the, the, sponsorship by the, the VD Clinic was a very smart move. Great marketing there. So, uh, we'll be turning our attention to a different television program on a different channel
0: right after this. That man's dead back there. She's dead. He's dead. Must be dead. He was worse than dead.
1: Hurry, folks. Step right up. Shoot a duck and win a jar of natural, orange flavor tang. It's the new, improved
2: tang that tastes better than ever. Boy, I like instant tang, but I hate the idea of shooting a relative. Just shoot one little duck-duck and get this big jar of tang. Tang? Goodbye, Auntie. You missed, but you can't miss with tang. And if you really want tang at its best, make up a pitcher full and cool it off in the refrigerator overnight. Great for breakfast or any tasty old
0: time. Mm.
2: Just gotta win some of that tang. Okay, Ad Duck,
1: hold still. Why, you miserable tangster? Now wait, I was just kidding. March. Step right up, folks. Get the rabbit and win a big jar of tang. Tee. It's a living. Drink tang, gang. It's tangerific.
2: Welcome back to the gym. The Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, if you looked through my DVR and said, what network does Jim watch the most? Actually, what would you What would you guess? What would you predict? What what network with shows would you think that I uh, ended up recording the most and watching at my leisure?
1: Okay, this isn't a network. It's a cable channel. But I'm going to go with sci-fi. Uh,
2: decent guess. Um, not really, though. I, um, I, I enjoy the Sharknado as much as the next guy. Uh, But actually, I I would say uh, probably it's CW uh, because of the the plethora of superhero shows. I think it's got a superhero show just about every week.
1: I used to work for Um, that station years ago, and um, they always have, to me, a very unique lineup. And mm -hmm. you find uh, shows that don't necessarily have the broad base appeal, but they're extremely well written for the smaller audience.
2: Um, and so they're kind of branching out into a slightly different kind of, of comic sh- book show, or at least at, at first glance. If you hear the name Riverdale, it might just sound like, oh, that's suburban school. Who you always kick their butt in in football in high school. Um, but in fact, no, it's, so it's, it's inspired by the Archie comics. But Mickey, I, I think I sent you the, the trailer Wait, for it. Like I'm going to send it to Dave the, right Archie, after this.
1: Archie, Veronica, those people?
2: Yes, exactly. The the redheaded, gawky guy, who everything always seemed to be perpetually in the – uh, squeaky clean fifties. Although, really, at the heart of it was the question: Do gentlemen prefer blondes or brunettes? And, right, because this, you know, this
1: ultimately becomes: Are you a Betty or a Veronica?
2: Precisely, and uh, yeah, for the for the record, Veronica. It's not even close. Um, but let's just
1: point out that, like, for so the record, I was so kind of- shocked by your answer. Yeah, wholesome,
2: um, you know, all Americans, fifty Americana at the at the uh, getting together at the at the drive through at the diner, um, and so CW has taken this, and I I've, I think we you and I on this program have complained many times about the seemingly endless spate of reboots and reinventions and taking old ideas. Mickey, this Riverdale looks nothing like the old comic book of Archie. If anything, it looks like one of my all time favorites, Twin Peaks. It is a dark, ominous tale. I think the catchlight is everybody tells a story. What? Mickey, that's
1: marketing right to you. That's I was right going to say, yeah, I'm place. sorry. What? Suddenly my ears are peaked. Please tell me more about the bodies.
2: So, I, you know, get, and it's not just that they have uh, a Amek, who was one of the cast members of Twin Peaks. The the teen heartthrobs of my younger years are now playing the the older hot teachers, I believe. I think that's a, a good indicator of how time has passed. Um, but the entire thing just looks creepy and ominous and mysterious and not quite in the um, uh, West world. You know, something somewhere is, you know, like everything looks normal, but something's terribly wrong type. Um, it's very much this foggy small town. Um, and, you know, yes, you can definitely, you know, the, the lead definitely has red hair. Um, but I'm starting to get the idea, Mickey, that, that somebody was assigned, okay, you got to make a show about, uh, Archie and that old comic stuff. And they said, okay, we're going to keep the name or we're going to keep the most basic concept of it. <laughs> but we're going to go dark. everything. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to watch the, I don't, I don't really want to write this kind of a show. So I'm going to write the show that I want to write and we'll just go with it from there. And that seems like, uh, what they've done with. And I've, I haven't Let seen it yet as question. of this, same thing not here. But I'm intrigued.
1: Yes. Well, let me ask you a question. Is this similar to what they did with Smallville? Like in recreating the character so that they could develop storylines that were new and fresh?
2: Um, probably a safe uh, comparison there. Smallville was probably one of the – was a weird um, contribution. Yes, it was a reinvention of of the adventures of young Clark Kent. <laughs> they could not uh, – they, they, they announced the last episode he would become Superman. So everything would be about – him before, you know, he's slowly discovering his powers, but he's uh, still an awkward teenager. Um, and lots of people kind of rolled their eyes the idea that young Clark Kent kept running into every other character in the DC Comics universe, except the one everyone wanted to see, Batman. Um, but the idea of trying to bring superheroes to the you know uh, the classic you know it's not, so not that to see because the Bruce
1: Wayne was WB. away at boarding school. There's no um, way he would be hanging so out I, wherever Smallville is.
2: Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and, and lo and behold, he just happened to stumble into every other major uh, character in his life. Uh, uh, young Lois, young Lana, young Lex Luthor, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think there's, there, there's, so I'm intrigued by this and I kind of wonder if, 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 if Hollywood is going to force, if, if Hollywood is terrified of ma- taking a new idea. They're terrified of, of developing a concept that doesn't have preexisting name recognition a conceivable pre-existing audience of people who know these characters and want to watch more of them. But I almost want to say, okay, if you're going to be forced into it, give us stuff that is so completely different. That you don't recognize it. Maybe the you know, compare compare like the the, the fugitive TV series in the
0: movie. Every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, in house, outhouse, or doghouse. This
1: I mean, this falls in line with and goes back to the idea that they can put anything on TV involving familiar characters and will be okay with it. This is how Spinoffs kind of originated. And when I think of things that were a bad idea, I always think of Coy and Vance Duke. Who
2: because Coy and, Bo, and Vance
1: Duke? Yes, they were the cousins that replaced oh, man, I've,
2: Luke and Bo. I feel, like I've, I feel like I've just discovered a pop culture treasure trove that's been completely undiscovered. Wait, so they did a spinoff of the Dukes of Hazzard with other cousins? Other well, dukes?
1: They actually didn't even really make it a spinoff. They continued the show because of contract negotiations with new leads and made them cousins (laughs) and they were koi and vance and koi and vance were horrible
0: uncle jesse you know after six years i don't think i'm gonna recognize my own cousins oh i think you'll recognize them (laughs) <laughs> we're beginning to wonder if you'd ever
1: get here. Um, I don't know who's going to get a welcome like this. We would have come back years ago. <laughs> is that right, Koi? Shoot, we never would have left. And I don't remember. I mean, it was. I was obviously very, very young when all this went down. But um, it's kind of like TV legend, if you will. The Koi and Vance legend of just how badly it went over with the viewers, the audience, um, and the show tanked. Because the idea was that they could set up anything in that Dukes of Hazard situation, and it would do well. <laughs> And then yes. they introduced Coy in and Vance, and, well, it didn't.
0: Well, well, well. Looks like us dupes is back together again.
1: The
2: star of the show is the General Lee, not the guys driving it. <laughs> right. um, see, okay, the greatest example of this phenomenon, where all of a sudden there's a new character and a new actor that is front and center, and all of your familiar characters are either receding to the background or something's going on, <laughs> like halfway through the run of The X-Files... David Duchovny's becoming a big star, starting to do movies, starting to think he's a little too big for his britches, uh, gets into protracted contract negotiations with the the creative team of the X-Files and the network and all that. And they all of a sudden introduce a character, Agent Jeffrey Spender. And for about three episodes, Agent Jeffrey Spender is a very big deal and, and Fox Mulder is in the background and all of a sudden Jeffrey Spender is, you know, traveling around with Scully and, and this very, you know, so, suddenly acting like he's the lead of the show. And, you know, longtime viewers are like, OK, even for the standards of this show, this is mysterious and weird and uh, something paranormal is going on. Um, and the, the, at some point, David Duchovny works it out. He gets a good contract. He comes back. And now all of a sudden the show has developed two leads.
0: Mm-hmm. So you know what
2: happened, Mickey? M- Agent Jeffrey Spender was suddenly shot by the cigarette smoke fan. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, in Fox Mulder's office now. So this is this, this build-up of this storyline. All of a sudden, this guy seemed really bored, and he's dead. And they, you know, he slumps down dead on the floor of Mulder's, of Mulder's office. Now, here's what you – know, I, I argue about this with other fans. As far as I know in my viewing, I don't know whether the network broadcasts the episodes out of order or something like that. I don't know if they ever referred to Agent Jeffrey Spender again. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, his body is still on the floor of Mulder's office. No, right there. And no, they're just stepping over up. it every time they come in and out of the office. No one is even igno- – oh, it's terrible what happened to Spender or oh, Mulder, it's very suspicious. Your rival just, you know, ends up to- – no, it just completely ignored it. It's like he never existed.
1: I, I so want I to throw this in as we're because him. you just reminded me of it with your story. Was Bones actually came back this week and brought back Zach, who is a character that's been gone for seasons. Um, but when you talked about killing off characters, they have a tendency to do that on that show um, and then name people's children of, of, after them later. So no. they refer back to them because their children are named after the k- dead characters. Weird little twist in the Bones story.
2: There you go. It's a good way to keep the uh, – we, we remind you of this character, but we get to use a much less expensive actor. Um, it's, like, it's, like, it's like NFL teams and free agency. No, I, actually, I happened to watch that episode last night. I myself – Bones is the one show that Mrs. Campaign Spot watches that is full of dead bodies and all kinds of stuff like that. Mickey, you know I can enjoy almost anything. Man – That show is really heavy on the maggots. That show is really heavy on the decomposing bodies and stuff that I don't need.
1: So I'm the one who's cringing and flinching. As a fan of Bones, and we could probably do uh, and maybe should do uh, some more on Bones later Um, in the years, it kind of develops into their last couple of seasons here because they've gone completely off the radar in many ways. But the one thing that's been consistent is the gross-out factor and the gross-out scene, which always comes right before the card. The intro card at the beginning of the show. And so, you know, like, we're always waiting here. You know, uh, Mr. Bias and I were watching the show is we're waiting for that moment when we know. And it used to be because I used to work crazy hours and whatnot. I would come home and we would be eating dinner as Bones was on. And it was every week we would just sit down to dinner and get to the scene where, like, the maggots are coming out of the dead cow that's been... (laughs) laying there. Or the oh, dead face, the dead body. Or one of my favorites was a dead person who had been run over flat like a pizza box. <laughs> and They opened the pizza box up and there was a body. It was, it was too much. And, but again, <laughs> we learned to just expect that and also to not eat while watching books. Yes. <laughs>
0: See,
2: I, you know, for some reason, my, my wife, who, will, who finds bunnies scary in the right setup, uh, ever since uh, Donnie Darko uh, can watch that show and not have any problem. Meanwhile, I'm watching like the you know centipedes come out of the eyes and all kinds of messed up. I'm like, ah, you know, stop that! And I need to calm myself down by watching something relaxing and soothing and easygoing like um, Homeland or something like that. You know? <laughs> uh,
1: or you can always Claire Danes crying, it. things exploding, it and stuff. You like feel better, which of course is Discovery ID. There's nothing like a good death channel to calm your nerves late at night. <laughs>
2: So yeah, so uh, yeah, between that and CIS was really depressing. So it was a it was a dark, depressing, serial killer filled <laughs> night of television. Uh, uh, last Tuesday night.
1: That sounds like fun to me. But again, I like the idea that everybody's kind of turning to these mystery shows, these thrillers. I, I'm I'm still waiting on a good psychic show. So if any of our listeners are familiar with any um, that are out there, there's one that's apparently on Amazon, and I've been toying with the idea of watching it or on Hulu. I apologize. And I've been toying with the idea of watching it or not. But if you guys are familiar with any new shows or shows that we're missing, please do let us know. And we will try to uh, get out there and and watch it and see what we have to say about it. Coming up in the next segment, we are heading into uh, the golden era of Hollywood where they get the opportunity to celebrate themselves every single week.
0: Flight leader to ideal fighter jet clear for takeoff. Flight leader to ideal fighter jet. Turn indicator on. Red warning light will tell you when you're off course. You're flying by radar. Holder steady. Enemy plane coming in at 2 o'clock. Enemy out of machine gun range. Set your rangefinder. Get set to use rockets. He's in my sight. Rockets ready. Fire one. Fire two. Three. Four. Flying in Ideal's electronic fighter jet is like flying a real jet fighter. You work the throttle, indicators, radar scope, and warning light. You control six moving targets via four rocket guns. Buy Ideal's fighter jet wherever good toys are sold. It's a wonderful toy! It's ideal! Ha 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 ha! Somebody, welcome it.
2: back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Jim Garrity, and that's my cue to introduce introduce us. Joined by Mickey White, who I thought was going to introduce this segment about the Golden Globes, but instead I'm taking the lead. Yes, this week is the Golden Globes kicking off award season. Just about every week, uh, you'll see Hollywood stars talking about how it's an honor just to be nominated. Uh, and then grimacing in, around their eyes when they find out that they're not actually they are in, they indeed only nominated. Um, Mickey, will you be watching the Golden Globes this year?
1: I will. I will actually. You know, we're kicking off the the award season as I alluded to in the wrap of the the last segment because this is the time of year when Hollywood gets out and, and is allowed to congratulate themselves, and sometimes it can be very high minded based on what they believe is entertaining and funny. Uh, One of my favorite award shows of the year, though, is the Golden Globes because you have the opportunity to watch, um, have actually possibly have seen some of the movies and nominations. Um, And of course, because they also award, you know, in different categories for comedy and musical for television as well, and the small screen awards, this is the precursor to the Emmys, to the Oscars, to everything that's coming down the road. Um, And I always find that because you've got the mix of the different levels of Hollywood in the room, mm. it's always more entertaining, and apparently people drink a lot more prior to this <laughs> well, one. Even that the bartenders make a stiffer drink. The, the credit to where it's due, um, the Golden
2: Globes alone amongst uh, major you know, film award nominees splits up the categories into drama versus comedy. So when you say, oh, this year's best picture... Uh, it could be Manchester by the Sea, the phenomenally depressing but allegedly well-acted uh, and well-written one f- uh, starring Casey Affleck. Or Best Picture could also be Deadpool. <laughs> and, you know, um, not, you know, probably about as far as uh, – If they get my, my
1: vote, I'm voting for Deadpool.
2: Oh, can you imagine? I'm hoping Ryan Reynolds would give the entire acceptance speech in character in costume. Um, I just
1: like to yeah, see they, Ryan Reynolds stand up and talk, so I'm good. Well, Um, The second thing is this is the one where they're all at tables, right, Mickey? Yes, this is the one where they're all at tables, which, again, feeds into my theory about the booze being part of it. Um, This is when they're all at tables. They have dinners. They have drinks. Um, This is often where people have left to go to the restroom. Oh, and, and their, their name time. comes up in an award?
2: they their way up to the stage, <laughs> trying to yeah, get the there's out.
1: always just kind of like one of those not-quite-ready-for-TV moments with the Golden Globe, and I think that's why I like it better than some of the over-rehearsed and over-thought-out shows that are done.
0: Be glad they don't mic uh, them. Jack- It'll be like Leslie Nielsen peeing and the sound of it going out over the speakers. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, Jack Nicholson always extends his leg out to trip somebody on their way up to the stage or something. So, I yeah. guess. somebody
1: always always does something crazy somebody always does something or says something crazy i should say um or you know off the off the wall things that are always coming quotable come out of the golden globes i mean for them yeah it's a big night because it could lead into other awards but for those of us who view again i mean how many of us have even seen la la land at this point even though it just came out all the awards apparently
2: uh, just came out and and you know a lot of people seem to like it but you know it, it came out in New York and L A first and those are the folks who've gotten a chance to see it. Uh, also worth noting that this is the only award show that does both film and television. So if you've seen a lot of films, terrific. Uh, if you haven't, your chances of seeing one of the TV shows is a little bit better. A couple of our fr- favorites and ones that we've discussed are on the list. Uh, Stranger Things uh, nominated for best drama. This is Us, one of your favorites. Um, uh, night Manager is up for Best TV Series or Movie. Um, a lot of you know familiar names. Uh, so your, your odds of getting some, oh, I, I saw that show. I liked it much better here than in the Oscars, where inevitably you, also, know, four, you know for historical dramas. Last,
1: <laughs> it also talked about what we it backs up what we talked about last week, as far as there being such a deep pool of varieties of shows that are actually worth watching mm. that we haven't really. So seen.
2: Like, yeah. The likelihood of actually awarding somebody who, who's got it, you know, who you're like, oh, that person is great. Whereas it does seem like at the Oscars, um, the picks are either you know nonsensical or it's it. it I almost have felt like the Oscars have been in this campaign to award the least known, least seen movies and actors uh, of the year. There's almost this contempt for things that are for things that are popular. Um, and so I just feel like, you know the Golden Globes deserve a little bit of uh, look you know Deadpool a bazillion people saw Deadpool last year a bazillion you – know, lots of people liked it enjoyed it now do you think this is great art eh, well we we can debate that but it's at least of interest um, whereas I'm, I I you know call me crazy uh, I'm not going to say I will eat my hat Nikki because this has been a year of of, of, of a, 2016 was a bad year for predictions uh, and knowing what was going to happen and <laughs> a bad year politics. for hat
0: flavors too <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, but if you had said, "Oh, you know, Ryan Reynolds is going to get an Oscar nomination for Deadpool," uh, that would be pretty, pretty shocking and exciting and enjoyable.
1: That would be shocking, exciting, and enjoyable. I remember um, the moment when I realized that my worldview did not match up necessarily with these major Hollywood um, award ceremonies. I'm not going to say how old I was, but let's just say I was young. We're going to go with really young, possibly like laying in a crib. We'll just go that far. But there was a year where Natalie Cole's Unforgettable won Song of the Year at the Grammys. It was the same year that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out. And that Brian Adams song, Everything I Do, I Do For You. Wow. Was on loop 24 7. And it did not. That was not- a song made. That was the song that made
2: Barry Manilow look edgy.
1: Right? Okay. (laughs) But more importantly, that unforgettable song was one of those songs that, like, I maybe heard it on the radio once. And so to me, I was like, wait, what? What is the song that won when this other song, and again, I was really young, um, childlike, if you will. When this other song I literally was on a loop 24-7, no matter where you were, all the time, everywhere. And so it was very hard to understand how this other song that I'd never heard of was suddenly the song of the year in a pop category. And that's when it occurred to me. You know, obviously there are other people who have that whole Jethro Tull won the first heavy metal Grammy that make people crazy um, because the man played a flute. But whatever. Um, I, I think that there's that, that very fine line between what they see as – and, and, and I'll, you will see this also line up in comedies. They've gotten better over the last couple of years but there was a period in time where even the comedy category was more filled with what Hollywood determined as comedies and sometimes they were like the dark comedies yeah. that were not really funny. I was going to
2: say that uh, Jack Nicholson awarded – I think it was about Schmidt got that. And he said, it's news to me that we made a comedy, <laughs> which is you know yes. not what you like to hear in your, uh, in, in your award speech.
1: But that therein lies the problem with Hollywood's vision of what is funny and what is a comedy as well because a lot of times they, they go with the you know, Shakespearean version of a comedy, which also has the dark side. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people who watch these shows like myself where I'm like, no, I, I expect a comedy to be funny. Call oh, me you're crazy. reasonable
2: expectations, Mickey.
1: Yeah, I know. Call me crazy. But if you put comedy in the title, I expect it to be funny.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, that expectation is going to be snuffed out with a pillow uh, by a Hollywood. <laughs> oh, but, you know, God. that's the sort of thing that makes people start thinking about pillows. And Mickey has some exactly. breaking news of the world of pillows right after this.
0: You probably know the person who reaches for the phone and never reaches for the phone book. That's a waste of phone books and a waste of money. Every day, 13,000 of your telephone dollars go into paying operators to look up 185,000 numbers already listed in your directory. Before you reach for the phone instead of the phone book, stop and think about it. If you honestly need a number and can't find it listed, call us. That's why we're here. But please, look in the book first. When you're out to get the beer, don't fool around. Get the best name in the business Oh, old Milwaukee beer It tastes as great as its name.
2: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. Early in the program, we talked about our Trivial Tuesday contest and how uh, uh, this week, um, in contrast to many of our previous weeks, the, the responses were sparse. So... We're going to skip over that. You guys have failed us, audience. And we expect better of
0: you next time. Uh, yes,
1: we meantime, expect significantly better at your failures because can keep in mind what I – maybe I'll just ask the same question again next Tuesday, which, of course, was what resolution dual. have yeah. you broken already? Dual. And I bet our answers are higher.
0: Your job, listeners, right. is to make Jim and Mickey sound intelligent, urbane, witty, clever, and generally people of very high quality. Get with it. Come on. <laughs> Get with the program. Mickey
2: had genuine shocking news to me. Uh, she wrote on her uh, – over at redstate.com and she started telling me. You know, so, Mickey, you know, there, there's, we are in the midst of the great pillow scandal of 2017. Please help me get to the bottom. What is going on with Pillowgate?
1: OK. Um, who knew, first of all, that my pillow – would cause um, so much uproar. However, I should have had should some case. You don't mean
2: your personal pillow. You mean the company my pillow, correct?
1: Correct. The company my pillow. And see that in and it of itself is part of the confusion, I think. Um, but for those of you who are unfamiliar, I can't imagine that you don't see it if you've never I, I can only think that if you've never heard of my pillow that you also don't have cable T V
2: Yes, that guy is on all the time and he's holding it up and he's, you know, He's squeezing it like the Charmin. I mean, this guy is really into pillow.
1: And today we're going to be hearing about the amazing entrepreneur, Mr. Mike Lindell from the My Pillow Company. And he encourages everyone to go and read his story of, you know, his very humble beginnings. And, you know, small-time criminal decided to um, become, you know, create this pillow. And he's been doing it for over a decade now where he sewed what he considers, you know, the most perfect pillow and we are all familiar with my pillow for the best night sleep order. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com
2: he's decided i will be the steve jobs of pillows
1: yes he he he, will, he has promised to give us the you know the best best night sleep in the whole wide world you visit mypillow.com and every time you go jim just like every other infomercial and every other website that sells things on tv It's, wait, there's more. If you go now and you order a MyPillow right now, you can get another one free. Two for the price of one. Buy one, get one. Guess what? People are mad. Not one person, Jim. Thousands of people have contacted the Better Business Bureau, and they demand to know how much does a MyPillow cost? because apparently they were unable to track a time when they were not offering the buy one, get one. So in the mind of these consumers, (laughs) and again, please be clear, they're not complaining about the pillow. They're complaining because they got one free. They're complaining (laughs) about the promotion. Um, That my pillow has now been downgraded by the Better Business Bureau for complaints because they never take away their buy one, get one free ad.
2: Businesses the and they are always sold by twos, and, and people just want one pillow.
1: I, it's, never, it's not clear to me outside of the fact that people want a set price for a pillow. They want to be able to purchase a pillow for I think I, you know whatever it is, hundred dollars. but I'll tell you, I actually did Google the price of my pillow and found it a bit confusing.
2: Um, okay, what is it like? It's like pillow stock or something, or is this is this is pillow bay and there's a bidding system or something? Everybody how, how wants to, to know
0: what the price is of something, and they all calculate the specials and figure out what the net price per unit is because that's how the human mind works. You want to know what Correct. you're paying, and because this special is on they're upset because it's, it's, it seems to them to be a deliberate lack of clarity about what the price is by offering two for the price of one. So they can say the price is 100 bucks, but it's actually 50 So if you bought one pillow and didn't pay 50 you got screwed. And it wasn't Correct. them because they got two pillows. They're worrying about the other guy.
1: <laughs> Correct. You, you have absolutely summarized it beautifully, Dave, as you usually do. Pillow gate. Um as as you called it, Jim comes down to one thing. people want to know what the price of one pillow is, and apparently, because they are constantly offering this buy one get one, there isn't um much to be said about an individual purchase and yes if you pay you know it, it's really the fifty versus the hundred roughly uh, dollars for the pillow um, I will tell you this it sparked a conversation not based on the buy one get one offer or even the fact that they've been downgraded I did not know how many people had actually purchased a my pillow or' a set of my pillows and how many people loved it and would do it again um, do
2: you have that figure in front of you Mickey or
1: no, I mean, it, as far as my response, like as people oh, okay. so went I wrote nuts after I wrote that particular post, um which I like I said, I just thought was really interesting because they were complaining about the price, not the product, and this allowed the better business people to downgrade them because after they had approached Michael Dell about this situation, um Lido, uh, about the situation, his his response was basically, yeah, we'll look into that
0: but it's not sure. dishonest it's not he's not tricking anyone if anything well, and
1: that's just it. it's not dishonest they're getting nailed for basically truth in advertising laws is is what they're using as a regulation to bring this hammer down on them but i think this unfortunately opens the door for a great deal of those but wait if you stop and order now you get the second one free with just paying shipping and handling so for, is, which is 95% of the infomercials that are running on the air
0: what is the real price of those ginsu knives
1: in japan and the hand can be used like a knife, but this method doesn't work with a tomato. Well, and it gets into the places where they also do, like, the auto delivery. The My Pillow is not like an auto delivery system. Like, it'd be one thing if they went after some of the makeup or skincare products that require you, you know, it's like $19 to get in, but then they're going to hit your card for $40 every month after that. That's not the same thing. Um, you're talking about buying a damn pillow, people. And in some cases, you got two That's for the right. price of one. That's right. So it just led me to look at like how the consumer, the American consumer, is much more discerning than you know even the American voter. I think. At times.
2: Well, yeah, because you got to get something in exchange for. Yeah, you know, as opposed, to, you 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 would be much more discerning if you were buying a politician too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mickey, looking through all these complaints from uh, from consumers to the Better Business Bureau, all about the giant vaunted scandal of uh, of my pillow. By the way, that, that Syria thing is still going on, right? Okay, we, we didn't solve that. <laughs> okay, Mickey, I need a nap.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to sleep well, it's on it.
1: good that you need a nap because we are at the end of our show. Um, it is amazing to me how quickly this hour goes. And I feel like we get a lot in, but my God, it just goes so quickly. Um, thanks again, listeners, for being with us for the first show of 2017. Next week, we will be back with our 100th episode. Uh, the three of us together, it's fantastic. You'll be able to find all of these episodes on SoundCloud com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. We do encourage you to stop by our Facebook page as well to become a fan. You can find us at Facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us on Spreaker, courtesy of Altcon Radio, and you can find us on iTunes, courtesy of the four oh five radio. Thanks again for listening. I am Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. We've got big Dave Perkins behind the board. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to The One, The Only, Jim and Mickey Show. He's dead, Jim. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Very dead, Mr. Spock. Let it go, Jim. He's dead. He on my pillow In my heart